Good morning, Christ Church. Thank you guys for tuning in this morning, checking us out, worshiping with us. We pray that this message and this service is a blessing for you guys and your family. Hey, don't forget, if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, don't forget to like and share. And if you're on YouTube, make sure you subscribe. You know, when you guys like and share our, our messages and our services, it's the best way we can reach more people uh, uh, throughout and, and be able to connect with them and give them the greatest message, which is the gospel. So don't forget to like, subscribe, or share wherever you guys are watching. Well, for the last several weeks, we have been in a sermon series, and the sermon series has been Stop Trying and Start Training, but we're going to take a little break from this series, uh, and we're going to pick it up next week, but today, I want to talk to you about something that I feel that is very vital and very important, especially in our world today and how things have been going, and you, you know where I'm tracking when I say that, and how things have been going, how things have been playing out, and uh, one thing that I believe the church can genuinely and authentically give to what other people truly need. Uh, the, last week, uh, when I was driving home from the church, uh, it was a Thursday night, uh, uh, not last week, this past week actually, uh, Wednesday night actually, and I was driving home from church and I was on the, the freeway on 480 heading towards home. We, we live over in that direction and I'll never forget, listen to this, I'll never forget as I was driving, I saw someone getting a massive accident. It was scary. Now, I've been in accidents before, and probably you have too, and it's pretty scary when you get in an accident. It's even scarier when you see other people get in an accident. This lady, and she swerved, and she ran over one of the orange barrels, and her tire went flying, and someone dodged the, the tire that was driving. Mean, it was just crazy. Like a good Samaritan I was, after the lady pulled over to the side, I, pull, I pulled over as well, and I got out of the car. Her airbags, all of them had deployed, and her, her car is smoking and leaking. It is just the craziest scene. And here I am. I'm like, I just put myself in the craziest predicament. I put myself here with a lady whose car is smoking. Something's leaking. Airbags have been deployed. I'm like, ah. But I wanted to be a good Samaritan and help her be a good Christian. And I go over, and the lady is distraught. She's crying, and she's crying, and she is just so upset by what just happened, and I can understand that. And I remember in that time, I, I was trying to tell the lady, like, hey, you need to get out. Something's leaking, and I think it's on the side of your, where your gas is. Like, you need to get out quick. And she, you know what she said to me? She's like, it doesn't matter what happens to me now. I screwed up. And I remember being taken back, and I'm like, all right, lady, like, I don't have time to give a motivational speech. Like, you need to get out. Like, this is an emergency. This is a bad thing. I don't know what's going on. I don't know much about cars, which is why I call my brother all the time. Many times a problem with my car, my wife's car. But all I know, she needs to get out. But I remember sitting there begging her through the words of encouragement. I was encouraging this lady, like, you still have this purpose here on this earth. You still uh, can be useful. You seem like you have a family. You, have a, you, know, you must be married. I said, you have so much value. And, and I'm trying to encourage her and encourage her. And then finally, she gets out of the car after through me encouraging her. You know what I, was, what I, you know what I knew that she needed in that moment? That she needed to be encouraged. She needed to, to be moved to get out. <laughs> but first she had to understand herself and understand the, the situation and the reality and what's going on because what happened in that moment, she lost all perspective because of the horrible accident. And, and I know that she was plagued by discouragement. You know, the one thing that got me thinking is we live in a world that's plagued by discouragement. 
I mean, just think about everything that's going on. What's going on between Israel and the Hamas. I mean, everything you can think of. As a matter of fact, just, just the other day, there was a, a mass shooting in Maine. I mean, it's just crazy stuff. And when you look at your phones and you look at your TV, it's easy, friends. It's easy to be plagued by the discouragement in this world. And yes, we know we need encouragement, but at the end of the day, it's hard to find it. Now, here's the one thing I want you guys to understand. Some of us are plagued by discouragement, not by just what we see in the world, but maybe the encouragement that we see, the discouragement that we see in ourselves, right? Maybe the discouragement we experience isn't so much what's happening in the world, but what's going on in our own lives. You know what discourages me? I'm a person that constantly compares myself to others. You know, social media is a dangerous place. It's a great place. Sometimes I get stuck in that rabbit hole, scrolling and scrolling, looking at reels. But, you know, social media can be a dangerous place because I'm always seeing people who are perfect and their lives are put together and their kids are well-behaved and they have this big house on the beach and they're beautiful and tan and skinny and I'm the very opposite. I mean, I'm tan, but I'm just the very opposite of what they're going through. And it's easy to be discouraged through comparison. You know, it's easy to be discouraged also when your expectations aren't met. You ever had your expectations completely missed by someone or something in your life? Maybe you're like me. Maybe you're discouraged because you're a person that demands perfection. And performance means everything to you. Maybe you're a person that is often discouraged because you align success by achieving more and more and being recognized. And as soon as you don't get that and you get the opposite, you lose a sense of confidence and relief in your life. You know what the one thing I want you to realize that that, that, that this world that we live in, and even in ourselves, discouragement, discouragement is a crazy, poisonous emotion that we experience. As a matter of fact, some uh, a psychiatrist would say, the problem with discouragement isn't the actual emotion, but it's that we stay there. We stay there and we identify ourselves and we, def uh, 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 we, we uh, uh, define our reality through our discouragement. I like this one quote from this one author. He says, he says, discouragement poisons the soul and the body of faith. Most of us lack encouragement. Most of us need encouragement. But here's what I want you to understand. The church exists. We exist. The body of Christ, we exist to encourage the weary and the troubled towards the beauty and the reality of Christ. Here's the one thing I want you to truly understand about what we do on our Sunday morning services. On Sunday morning, our goal is to encourage people. Our job is not to tell people how bad they are and that they're going to hell and they better repent and they better do this. Listen, I, I, I understand all of that. I, I affirm a lot of that, that we have to help get a grasp and understanding. But the one thing that the apostles and the teachers and the New Testament teaches us is that we are to encourage the people. We are to motivate them, not just to a good feeling, but to motivate them to do good, right? That, 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 our, that our encouragement is not meant, friends, listen to this, that our encouragement is not good to make much about people, but to make much about Christ. And when we make much about Christ, then that's when people can find this one sense, and this one sense is called endurance and perseverance, to be resilient, to move forward, because a lot of us, our discouragement is depleting our faith. 
and we're close to walking away from God. We're close to saying, asking ourselves, is God trustworthy? But encouragement, friends, moves us to perseverance, but also endurance. I want to read to you a scripture today. I got a couple verses I'm going to read to you in Hebrews chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 3. I'm going to read all 15 verses. Bear with me. We're going to break them down in just a little bit. But listen to what it says. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to go over the historical context in just a little bit. He says this, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in the heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and the high priest of our confession. Who was faithful to him, he will appoint to him, just as Moses also was faithful in all of God's house. For Jesus was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much as glory as a builder of a house who is more honored than the house itself. But every house is built by someone, and the builder of all things is God. Now the house, now Moses, I'm sorry, was faithful in all of God's house as a servant to testify of the things that were to be spoken later. But Jesus, who was faithful over God's house as a son, and we share in his house, if indeed we hold fast, listen to this, we share in all that God has given us and all that Christ has done for us if we hold fast and we hold firm with confidence, with encouragement and the boasting of our hope. Verse 7, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts in rebellion on the day of the testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with this generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways, and as I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care. Verse 12, listen to this. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you with an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. This is our main passage that we're going to be focusing on that sets up all the other passages. Look at verse 13. But encourage one another. You hear that? Exhort, it says, exhort one another every day, <laughs> not just once in a while, not just here and there. He says every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you, this is the reason why we are to encourage or rather we are to give or receive encouragement, that none of you be hardened by deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share with Christ, and if indeed, here he says it again, indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in rebellion. Here's what the author is saying, and we're going to repeat it one more time. Friends, we need to find daily, consistent, accurate encouragement for our souls. We have to. We, we, we need to pursue it, and we also need to give it. Right? It's like a double-edged sword. We need to be people who receive encouragement, but also we need to be people who give encouragement. He says, exhort one another, and he helps us to understand that encouragement, it moves us to not lose our faith. It moves us to, to not lack in trust to God. It moves us to, to stay on the straight path and not to go back to the things that we were doing before Christ. He says encouragement is wrapped up in this thing called perseverance and faithfulness and to trust God more and more and again and again. As a matter of fact, this whole book, the book of Hebrews, the purpose is encouragement. This is a sermon a lot of scholars like to say. This is a, a sermon written by a pastor encouraging the people. The ancient Christians, the, the Jewish Christians, this is a very Jewish letter, the ancient Christians would have needed, and the, the author realized that their greatest need was to remain faithful to God. 
that don't be, don't be shaken by what's going on outwardly, right? Don't be shaken by what's going on politically. Don't be shaken by what's going on relationally. Don't be shaken by what's going on financially. No, no, friends. He tells them that you need encouragement. He actually mentions encouragement a lot throughout his letter. There's 13 chapters in this. He's going to mention it again in chapter 10, and he's going to mention it again in chapter 13, that he wants them to learn how to be encouraged and to encourage one another. Once again, friends, encouragement is more than just a motivational speech. It's more than just having good feelings. For some reason, America, the West, we're addicted to feelings, aren't we? We define our lives by feelings. We define our circumstances by feelings. We're led by feelings. Feelings are great emotions, but they're not great uh, ways to lead our lives. Listen, motivation is not the goal of encouragement. It's to bring us back to reality. It's to bring us back to reality. So when we go to people where we ourselves are struggling, look at what he said in verse 12. As a matter of fact, look at what he says in verse 12. He says in verse 12, take care, brothers, lest any of you be evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. In the most basic sense, what this verse is actually trying to say, he says, be on guard for the deep struggles that you have. Because your struggles will lead you into a direction that is opposite of what God wants you to go. Your struggles will lead you towards some deeper depression. Your struggles will lead you toward deeper anxiety. Your struggles will lead you more towards deeper t uh, temptations. Your struggles will lead you towards uh, uh, a distrust towards God. And if we can be honest, friends, we have a lot of struggles, don't we? I'm not exempt from this, from this conversation. We all struggle with loneliness from time to time. We all struggle with temptation from time to time. We all have struggles in our families, don't we? No family is perfect. We have a lot of inconsistency. We have a lot of brokenness. We have a lot of heartache. No family is perfect. And then, not only do we have family issues, but again, as we said, we have personal issues as well. Listen, friends, as I said before, encouragement is meant for us not to make much of ourselves, but to make much of Christ to lead us to have deeper confidence and contentment, and uh, contentment to have resilience. Now, watch what he says in verse 13. Look at verse 13. He says, exhort one another every day. What is the author doing in this, in this particular scenario? Now, this word encouragement or exhortation is the word pericolete. Now, this word is used uh, uh, quite a bit in the New Testament, but most of the time, if not almost all the time, I wouldn't say all the time, but most of the time, this word is used in a communal form, right? Paul uses this in Romans, and, and then he uses again in Thessalonians, and, 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 and of course, the Hebrew author uses the, the same word, pericolete. Now, pericolete is again used in a communal form. What is he trying to help us to understand? He helps us to understand, friends, that we need to have a community of people who know Jesus and who can lead us to Jesus. Let me ask you a great question. Do you have those type of people in your life? Do you have the type of people in your life that can move you closer to Christ? That when life is not going well and when you're not in the best place, do you have the people in your life? Because listen, God works through community. God works powerfully through community. You see this theme, one another, a lot throughout the scripture. 
Don't ever think that you can do your Christian life on your own. No, friends, we need each other. The importance of gathering and of coming to church is of the highest, especially nowadays. We don't come to church to, to check our ticket of religion off. We don't come to church just to be entertained. No, friends, we come to church because we need to be encouraged. That we need to be encouraged and we need to give a sense of encouragement. Listen to what I want you to know. We need to be in a community of people who are driving us towards the greater goal. And what's the greater goal? Jesus. Jesus is the goal. Jesus is the destination. I remember having a group of friends. All they really cared about was gossiping. You ever have people like that in your life? Where like all they do is talk bad about someone else or they like to look at everybody else's flaws. You know what I, you know what I noticed? People who gossip are very insecure. I just noticed that. That's just me. I'm not trying to make fun of people, but because I've, I've been in that world before, too. I've noticed a lot of people who gossip are very insecure, right? right? And, and all I did was, was be around friends who just led me to gossip, and next thing you know, I'm doing what they do, and you know, um, uh, I'm picking up the things that they do and, and all of that. But friends, I want you to realize this, that don't ever think that church is not important. Don't ever think that. Don't ever think that, hey, I just come to church because my wife makes me come to church. Or, hey, I come to church because my, my girlfriend told me to come to church. Or, hey, I go to church because this or that or this. No, friends, you come to church for one reason. And what's that one reason? To encourage your soul to trust Christ greater and to depend on him even more. This is the reason why we trust. Uh, this is the reason why, I'm sorry, we have a community like we have ours. Our church, Christ Church, exists to, to encourage the lost. We exist to encourage those who are facing divorce. We exist to encourage teenagers who are battling depression. We, we exist to encourage the college student to know that Jesus is enough. We exist so that those who are lost, wherever it may be, that they may know Jesus and they may follow him better. Now, if you read all of chapter 3, you will realize he has been encouraging them little by little, verse by verse. Let's go over them. So let's take a look at what he says in early on. Verse 1, I want you guys to understand what he's trying to do in this particular section. He's trying to encourage a heart that is weary. So look at what he does. Verse 1, he says, therefore, he's continuing what he was talking about before in chapter 2. Therefore, he says three things, holy brothers and heavenly calling. Those are three things I want you to focus on, those three things. Holy means new identity. Brothers means new family. And heavenly calling means new future. How does he encourage them with the new identity, new family, new future? Well, number one, he wants them to understand that how God sees you. He wants them to be encouraged about how God sees them. How does God see them? God doesn't see them for how broken they are or how sinful they are or their failures or their past or whatever they have done. The people that they have heard, the inconsistency that exists within them. No, friends, in Christ Jesus, he sees you and I as holy, right, as blameless. Now, that's not because you and I are perfect. That's not because you and I, we work for it. That's not because you and I, we perform for it. No, that's because of Jesus Christ and his perfection. And the way our father sees us is through the lens 
of his son. Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might be the righteousness of God. Jesus' righteousness overwhelmed our unrighteousness before the Father. Therefore, he sees us as holy and he calls us his. That means we belong. Your identity is in Christ, what Christ has done for you. Maybe this is a way we can encourage people by reminding them who they are. <clears throat> and number two, calls them brothers. He says you are in a new family. Did you know this, that when Christ died for you, when Christ went on the cross, when Christ not only went on the cross, but when he was raised to life, you were reconciled to the Father. You, you, before, before Christ, you, you couldn't get to God, but you were reconciled to the Father. But not only were you reconciled to the Father, you were reconciled to one another. Listen, when you become a Christian, you get inaugurated into a family to a family of believers that you could call brothers and sisters that are not kin, that are not blood, but they know Christ like you do. So I encourage them, listen, you have a new family. You have a place you belong. And number two, I like this one. You have a heavenly calling. What is he trying to do in this particular scene? He's trying to get them to understand that we have to find our comfort in our future. That doesn't mean to ignore the present. That doesn't mean to just ignore reality. It means to define reality by looking to the future, by reminding yourself that what's going on here on this earth is not how it ends. <clears throat> the evil that exists within the world, the craziness and the madness that exists not only in the world, but exists within us. Friends, one day it all will be dealt with, and it all will come to an end. I don't know about you, but I need a, a heavenly reminder that this place is not my home. Jesus says, I go and prepare a place for you. This place is not my home. So I don't need to get so built up and caught up in what's going on here because I don't, I don't have to be here forever. He wants them to understand, friends, understand that we have to find our encouragement to know that one day we will be with the Lord forever. That one day we will be for the Lord forever and all our job is to, to keep moving, be faithful. And then he goes on in the end of chapter 1. He says, I'm sorry, uh, verse 1, he says, consider Jesus. This is a very interesting word. What he wants them to do is he wants them to find their encouragement by considering Christ, by looking to his nature, by looking to his work, by looking to his promises, by looking to his relation with you. And listen, here's what he wants them to do. The reason why he's pointing them to Christ, because when we look to Christ, it affirms and aligns our perspectives. It brings us back to reality, looking to Christ. This word consider, it's this idea of, of expressing deep attention, continually observing, regarding form, meditating to find the truth. That's what it means, consider. It means to study, to discover. To discover the beauty of Christ is what he wants to see. As a matter of fact, Jesus uses the same word consider when he says it in Luke chapter 12. Remember he says, consider the lilies, consider the birds. He says, look, meditate, look on and discover how they're taken care of. That's what he's trying to say. Understand where their provision comes from. And he wants us to use the same understanding when it comes to looking to Christ, to have Christ as our deep focus, to consider him, to look to him and not look to our problems, to look to him and not look to who doesn't like us, 
to look to him and not look to what happened to us, but to look to the one who loves us, who is faithful to God's work for us. Consider him, consider his aim, consider his focus, consider Jesus' temptation, consider his victory. Look to him. Then he goes on, he says, Jesus is superior. He's above Moses. Now, if you were an ancient Jew reading this particular passage, this would have been a shock to you. See, they got to remember the Jews hold high regard for Moses. They almost held Moses as their leader. But the author of Hebrews and throughout his whole uh, book, he's trying to get them to understand Jesus is greater than the ones that we hold high regard for. What is he trying to say in this? This is very interesting. He's trying to help them to understand this, that nobody can do for you what Christ can do for you. He says, look to Christ as superior. He goes on, he talks about how he's greater than the angels, that he's greater than the prophets, and now he talks about he's greater than Moses, who was uh, considered a prophet. He said that he's greater. A better way to say that is that he is enough. All that you need, all that you desire is in Christ. And then he goes on, he talks about Israel's failure. He actually talks about Numbers chapter 12. In Numbers chapter 12, we see the people of Israel, they are literally complaining to God about water. Now, this is like a second time or a third time that they had to deal with water. They were in the wilderness, and they're walking, and they have no water. And next you know, they look to Moses, and they say, hey, Moses, what's going on, bro? We, we got no water. Where's God? What's going on? And what happens is, listen to this. What happens is God was promising them a place they can call rest. That was the land of Canaan. And most of them, if not all of them, did not go into it. Why? Because they were so focused on what they didn't have rather than the God that can supply all that they need. The same God that supplied water before, the same God that split water, the same God that sweetened water, the same God that created water, they still had a hard time trusting him. Why is he bringing up this particular passage. He brings up this passage so that we may learn from the people of old. You know, it's, it's very interesting and very powerful to learn from someone else, to learn from someone else's mistakes, to learn from someone else's failures, to learn from someone else's hardship. Uh, I, it just reminds me of my, my father, uh, it's a very sad story, my father grew up in the foster home. He grew up in foster care. And he grew up in there for several years. And I want to go deep into why. And you can kind of almost pretty much guess. And, but I, I remember hearing him talk to me about that and sharing that story with me. And I remember kind of allowing that scene to help breathe life into me wanting to be a good father. Not, not wanting to be a father who abandons his children. Not wanting to be a parent who is too stuck in his ways. And, and therefore, through his life, I learned, listen, friends, I learned that I need to have this type of focus. And I, and I wonder how many of us need to look at that, that First Corinthians 10 reminds us that we look at the people of old so that, listen to this, so that we may learn. Right? They are examples of what not to do. <laughs> right? The goal is not to practice and do what they did. The goal is to learn from what they did. 
not do what they did and say, hey, in order for me to see God's promises and blessing, I got to sit here and I got to realize that it's better to move forward than look backwards. It's better to move forward than look backwards and to see God's great blessings in my life because he goes on and, and he says in, in verse 14 that we have come to share in Christ. Listen, he says the great blessings, the great gifts that God wants to give to you and I, friends, it begins by having a sense of endurance and perseverance in our lives. And the author quotes in Psalm 95 to give us a taste to realize we need to learn from other people. The people like Israel that didn't trust God. That said, hey, I'd rather trust myself rather than trust God. And maybe that's what we can do today. It helps them to understand true encouragement. I just want to leave you with seven things. Seven things to encourage you on how you can encourage others or how others can encourage you. Number one, we exhort one another through our experience. Here's the thing I want you to know. We need to be a church that is vulnerable. We need a church, be a church that, that people can come and find comfort, not in who we are, but who we point people to, right? We're not the point. We're just the pointers. Christ is the point, Right. Right. And we need to be vulnerable with other people when when other people are struggling or when we're struggling, we can go to people and we can be the people that can share our experience. I will never forget when I was in leading youth group at our Columbia Station campus. I will never forget a, a parent came up to me in tears and upset and very fearful because they just found out that their son had ADHD. She comes up to me. She's like, I don't know what to do. Can you pray for us? Can you help us? And you know what I felt compelled to do in that scenario? I, I felt compelled to remind her, like, hey, before I pray for you, you know, I have ADHD, too. Or I was diagnosed with ADHD. ADHD and I turned out fine. What was I doing in that moment? I was, I was sharing my experience, right? Sure, it was a struggle, right? But the struggle doesn't define his life. And there's a lot of people in this church, there's a lot of married folks who have been together for years who can help other married people. There are people who are well into their careers, who are well advanced, that can help these young people to have wisdom and understanding and discretion as they move forward in life. There are a lot of parents who kids are a lot older, who have grandkids that can help young parents like me. This is a call of, this is, this is a cry of help, but this, you can help young people like me and you can uh, encourage them and be with them. Number two, we exhort one another through our generosity. Listen, friends, generosity is a beautiful, beautiful sense of the compelling work of the Holy Spirit in each and every one of us. We are compelled to be generous with others. I never forget, uh, again, when I was in youth group, um, it was one year, we were about to go on a mission trip, and you know, every mission trip, uh, there's always a certain amount of kids that, that want to go but can't go. And most of the reason why they can't go is due to funds, right? Uh, if you're able to go on a mission trip, there's a, a funds that you have to you know, pay and to go. And there are some kids that just could not go because they just could not make the funds. And we're talking about this one year, there were like over 10 kids that, you know, man, that were just, we were maxed out and scholarships and all this stuff. And, and we, we were like kind of like getting very worried, like, man, these kids might not be able to go. And these are 10 kids that needed to go or 10 or so kids that needed to go. And then one day, one day, I was on Main Street at our Columbia Station campus. And a guy walked up to me. 
He said, you're the youth pastor, right? I said, yes, I am. He said, you guys going on that trip? I said, yeah. So what do you guys need? And I, I, I didn't want to speak out of need. I just said, man, you know, we, we're just trying to get kids on the trip and whatnot. And there and behold, this guy wrote me a $15,000 check right there. I said, hey, I want to pay for some kids and more. And listen, the kids that were may have, were not going to go, that they, were, they ended up going. <laughs> and like 10 of them and, uh, uh, accepted Jesus for the very first time. It was an awesome trip. But he encouraged through his generosity. Number two, we encourage one another through truth and love. Listen, encouragement doesn't mean you ignore the truth. No, exhortation is when you tell the truth. <laughs> but you speak it in love. And some of us, we need to be encouraged in a truthful manner. Because let me tell you something. Real people are not people who cover up the truth. You know, I need people to tell me when I have broccoli in my teeth. I need people to tell me when, 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 when I got something going on and they need to expose me for what's going on. You know what we need more people in our lives? We need more people in our lives to exhort us by telling us that we're lazy and we need to stop making excuses. And it hurts. I get it. When people call me lazy, my wife in particular, but when people call me lazy, it hurts. You don't want to be identified as that. But the truth is what gets us to move forward. Right? We need people to come on our lives and say, hey, man, your ego is getting in the way. Your ego is getting in the way, and you need to do better. Hey, you know, somebody needs to tell us, hey, you're late all the time, and you need to start being on time more. I had that happen to me one time. I'm, I'm just speaking from experience, but we need people like that in our lives. We don't need people that are stroke our ego. We need people that will lead us in truth. But don't forget, friends, we speak the truth in love. Right? Don't be a person of that it's harsh, right? That, right? I'm not giving you license just to talk to anybody any way you want to. No, friends, I'm reminding you, friends, that some people are moved through our intent. And that's through love, right? But don't, don't get it twisted. The message is truth, right? And we need to speak the truth in love. We encourage each other, number four, we encourage each other through the word, you know, Man, I, I can tell you right now, some of the best things you can ever do when someone is struggling or when you are struggling is to hear or tell someone a word from God. You know, when you go up to someone and say, you know what, the Bible says this. You know, Jesus said this, that I will be with you from now and forever. You know, I don't know if you know, uh, it, it tells us this, that God is our Father. We encourage people in word. Number five, we encourage people through acceptance, patience, and compassion. Right? We, ex we, we, we exhort one another through acceptance, patience, and passion. Now, I need you to understand this. There are going to be people that walk through our doors who you probably do not agree with their lifestyle. You probably do not agree with their decision making. Do not agree with the trajectory of their lives, right? But that the goal at the end of the day is that we treat others how Christ has treated us. Even when we were in our darkest days, even when we were in our lifestyles that we were caught, on up, caught up in, Christ Jesus received us, blessed us, changed us, rewarded us, gave us, and uh, blessed us abundantly in that time. So we have to be people that do unto others what Christ has done for us. Now, acceptance doesn't mean affirming them, right? Acceptance doesn't mean, well, I approve of what you do. No, acceptance just says, I'm bringing you in. 
right? Because if there's any place people need to be at nowadays, it's the church. People need to be in the church. What do we need to communicate here in the church? We need to communicate the truth. But also, though, we need to communicate love and patience and compassion. We exhort one another through prayer. We just had the week of prayer. I love the week of prayer. We, man, people were ex- so encouraged by us praying for one another. And here's the last thing I want you to know, number seven. We exhort one another even in our difficulty. Listen, you don't have to have your life in, uh, in order for, for God to use you. You don't have to have your life perfect to be useful, to be effective. You know what you need? You need to realize that, that sometimes some of the best people who encourage others are when they are in the same predicament as well. I remember years ago, before we had our children, my wife and I, we struggled with infertility. You may have heard this story before, but my wife and I, we struggled with infertility. Uh, we were unable to have children for years and years and years. I remember just just always being frustrated. We tried. She could never, she could either never get pregnant or stay pregnant. It was just, it was hard. And I remember that. And lo and behold, in that season, I met a gentleman and a family, I'm sorry, a, a, a couple that was going through the same thing as we were. And I'll never forget. I'll never forget when they said this. Yeah, we, we were down that road before. We've been down that road for a while. You know the one thing we realized? We realized if God even never blesses us with that. We still love him. We still trust him. We don't trust God because of what he gives us, but we trust God because of who he is to us. I will never forget that. I'll never forget that. And then later on, they end up getting pregnant. And of course, some of you know, we have two stinky rugrats running around right now, some of the greatest blessings in our lives. Here's the one thing I want you to know. The greatest encouragement we can ever do is to encourage people with the truth of the gospel. Our source of encouragement and strength is found in the reality of the cross, the reality of the resurrection. The message of hope is what the world needs, and we need to communicate hope a little bit more. We need to be the Christians that aren't quick to judge but are quick to tell people about Christ. We need to be Christians. We need to be followers of Jesus that aren't quick to, 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 to bash and condemn people, but we're quick to tell people about the good news that Jesus has purchased our sin. Jesus has made life eternal available for you and I. This is the message that we need to uh, communicate uh, people uh, with. We communicate it not just with our words. We communicate it with our lives. We communicate it with our own lives. And this is the importance of encouraging other people by reminding them Christ is with you. Christ loves you. This is what we need. What if we were a church that we did more encouraging more than anything else? Now, again, encouragement is not the absence of truth, but rather encouragement is just a form of truth to get people to truth. Right? To get people to the proper understanding of Christ and his work for them and his work in them. Let's pray. Dear Father, we love you. We thank you. We worship you. We adore you. We thank you. We exalt you. We trust in you. We find our contentment in you. And so, Lord, I pray that we would find our encouragement from you, Lord, that your spirit, your Your spirit would whisper to our spirits that we are sons and daughters of yours. And your spirit would whisper to our spirit that 
We have a, a future that is greater than our present and that your spirit would remind us that your goodness and mercy uh, 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 follows us all the days of our lives, Father. Help us to be a church that the one thing people hear and the one message people receive and the one way people are led is through encouragement. Help us to be the people and the vessels that accomplish that. We point people to Christ because Christ is what we need both now and forever. We love you and we thank you. In Christ's perfect name is what we pray. Amen. Guys, God bless. We'll see you next week. Take, take care.